Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, January 12th, 2021 edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'm joined by my co-host on Tuesdays, Mr. Cole Shelton. First podcast of the year with you, Cole. You haven't been here in a couple of weeks, Cole. I know you've been in the chat though, so like you've you've been um, you've been tuning in and stuff. But I'm glad to have you back, man. Honestly, like I I love doing the show with you, Cole. It's Tuesday morning, and you know what be- what better way to get started than uh, kicking off the year with a pretty decent card. Um, I should mention, like I talked about this yesterday, I'm doing three podcasts a week now. So Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 10 a.m. The Monday time could be changed. Right now, I think Monday at 10 works because I want to do the recap of like the weekend's card, which would give me and Cole a full hour. It will give us a full hour on Tuesdays to talk about the fights for the uh, coming weekend. So this show is it's, it's pretty much going to be the same as last year. It's just going to be more focused towards this weekend's fights, which is good, Cole. Now we get more time to talk about the fights. So I'm happy about that. Anyways, how's everything with you, man? Like we haven't had you on in I think about three weeks now. So how's everything going? Yeah, everything's going well, man. That's good, man. I'm looking forward to having a good year, Cole. And, and I'm glad that we're starting over again with the picks, honestly. Like, yeah. I mean, you didn't have a great year. Like, let's be, let's be honest. We like, started out – like, you and me were in, like, I know. three, and then COVID hit, and then we just – I know. I, I honestly thought I had a chance to win this year, as, as dumb as that sounds now, because I obviously finished, like, pretty low in the standings this year now, like, at the end of it. But, Cole, through the first couple months, like, me and you were doing pretty well, and then COVID hit, and, like, I don't know what happened, but, like, May, June – my ability to pick fights has really like went out the window. It happened. So, you know, just that long break, I think screwed us up, but no excuses. And congratulations to Mike's MMA picks. You know, he had a great year and, you know, to be fair to Mike, I mean, he's a professional handicapper, you know, me and Cole, we'd like to consider ourselves, you know, good at this, but these, some of these guys, you know, that's their profession too. Right. So they did a great job. Congrats to him. He won some cash. I think it's this year, Cole, that we're going to win though. Okay. So me or you're going to yeah. finish first. All right, buddy. All right, let's start uh, with this card. So just give me your thoughts while they load it up here on UFC on ABC1, Halloween versus Cater. Yeah, it's a early start time. Like prelims on at 12, main card at 3. As a Buffalo Bills fan, I'm pretty happy with that because the Bills play Saturday night so I can watch the fights and don't have to pick and choose which one I'm watching. So it'll be all good. And afternoon fights always like that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Bills fan too. Um so I'm excited for that game. I mean, I want, like, here's the thing. Like, I spend a lot of time watching other sports. I read about the other sports like crazy. But I don't talk about it because I don't need to because my job is an MMA reporter. And I like to stay focused on that. But I'm like you, Cole. Like, I love me and you talk about the sports in private all the time. But I'm excited for that game, man. All right. I'm excited for this, man. You know, it's nice to actually start again, Cole, and get a fresh start. So let's start with the first fight of the night. It's a tough one to pick, too. Featherweight boat, Jacob Kilburn versus Austin Lingo. Current odds right now, minus 220, plus 185. So Lingo's favored, Kilburn's the underdog. What do you think of this fight, Cole? It's kind of a weird one. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. I had, I was going to talk to Austin Lingo a bunch when he was in LFA. Like He uh, knocked out Solo Hatley Jr. in like 20 seconds, 25 seconds. We saw it. He's obviously had a bit of success in Beltor. Yep. Um, UFC debut. He fought short notice at 247, like a week notice. He got the fight against Yusuf Zalalo, another relative unknown. And I remember I picked Lingo just because I didn't know much about Zalalo, and I knew more about Lingo. And then we obviously know how good Zalalo is now. So yeah. with Jacob Kilburn, though, I just haven't been too impressed with him. He lost to Bobby Moffat on the Contender Series, picks up two wins against okay competition, and then he goes out there and loses Billy Corntillo, but that's not a bad loss. Billy Q is really good. But the problem with Kilburn is his grappling, but... 
this is a favorable fight just because Austin Lingo is a striker. He has some really good boxing. I expect this fight to stay standing for the most part, but I do favor Austin Lingo. I think he's the better striker. I think his cardio is a bit better. I just think I don't know if he'll be able to knock out Jacob Kilburn. Lingo does have some knock power. Like if you look at LFA, he was knocking people out in the first round. But those were low-level fighters. Like, can you do that to a UFC caliber fighter? I'm not too sure, but I like Austin Lingo probably to win by decision, maybe a late stoppage, but I think the line's a bit too high. So this is the first fight of the year, huh? This fight, eh? I'm not sure what to think about this one, man. Like, based on what I saw from both guys so far in the UFC, like, they don't seem UFC caliber. I will give, you know, both these guys, like, I guess a bit of a break, especially Lingo, because he only had the one fight against a really good prospect. But Kilburn, 0-2 now, Cole, or I should say 0-2, he's 0-1. He also lost the contenders, or, yeah, contender series. Submitted both those fights. Lingo was more of a striker, like you said, but he does have some submission ability. Um... I don't know. Like, this is just a weird fight. Like, I don't really understand why he's minus 225, though. Like, what did he do to deserve this big favorite status after pretty much, like, just getting dominated in the last fight? Like, it wasn't a close fight. I know this guy has some power, though. He's got some finishing building first round. But to me, it's like that fight showed that this guy is a fade going forward. And I know it's only one fight, but I just didn't like what I saw in that fight, man. Because if you look at his resume, it's like a lot of first round knockouts. So the fact he went distance and started getting really tired, his takedown defense was an issue. It's scary, and and even though Kilburn hasn't looked good at all in the UFC, like it's possible he could get a takedown here and, and maybe beat Lingo just that way, just by taking him down. I don't know though, Cole. Like it's just it's a strange fight to me. I have absolutely no interest in betting this fight. I would be surprised if someone had a like a really good like like side in this fight. Like I, I don't know. I just don't see value either way, Cole. My pick's gonna be Lingo. I'll pick him by decision. He is favored for a reason, but. Minus 225, Cole, or minus 220, whatever it is. Like, on this guy, are you kidding me? There's just – that's just a bad bet. That's a bad bet, honestly. There's better guys to bet on at that price. There's better guys to bet on at cheaper prices. So stay away from that one, in my opinion. And honestly, I kind of feel the same way with this fight. I want to hear your thoughts on it. But Sarah Morris takes on Vanessa Mello. Right now, Morris, minus 230, Mello plus 190. Very similar to the last fight, Cole. What do you think? I am shocked both of them are still in the UFC, especially Vanessa Mello. She's gone 0-3 in the UFC. She hasn't won a fight. She lost to Irene Aldana, Trace Cortez, Carol Rosa. Sarah, like Murray's, I like seeing the Canadians in there, but I just don't know if she's UFC caliber. She's six and six, coming off a losses to Jar Eubanks before that, pulled off an upset against Liana Shujua, but I don't really think Shujua is that high caliber. Then lost to Macy Shiasan, lost to Toledo Bernardo, lost to Lucy Pudilova, who I don't think is, is a really world beater by any means. Like she doesn't win over Ashley Evan Smith and Alexis Dufres. I guess that's good, but. She, to be fair to Sarah, she has fought a lot of tough competition. Like, you look who she's fought. She's fought like Raquel Pennington, Jessica Andrade, she's lost to. So, she's fought much better competition. I do have to go with her. I think she's the better fighter, but there is absolutely no way of any interest in betting this fight. I think it's going to be Sarah Morais by decision. If you look at Vanessa Mello, Irene Aldana, Trace Cortez, none of them could finish her. I don't expect Sarah Morris to be able to finish her, but this is a pure pass. Like, I have no interest in betting either side. This fight's pretty bad. I gotta be honest, man. Like, especially looking into it more, it's just not a UFC caliber fight. It really isn't. And I'm not trying to throw shade at these women or even the first two guys in Lingo and, and Kilburn, but I don't know. Like, I'm excited for this year in the UFC, Cole, but these, all these fighters I'm mentioning, they're probably gonna be among the 60 cut. Like, the winner, the loser of this fight is getting cut. So, I, I mean, really could go either way, just like the last fight, in my opinion. Um, you're right. Morris has more experience and she's got more wins in the UFC, which Melo doesn't have any. The thing about Mello is not only cold, not only did she lose those fights, she also missed weight. I think she missed weight in at least two or maybe all three of the fights. I'm not sure how she got another chance. I don't really understand it at all. 
She hasn't looked good at all. The thing is, like, stylistically, this is a fight she could win just because Morris' striking is so weak. She's going to try to get Melo to the ground. Melo's got decent takedown defense. It's basically 70%. It's not that bad. Um, if Morris struggles to get her to the ground, Melo could possibly outstrike her and win a really ugly, boring decision. It's possible. So, yeah, just like the last fight. Like, how could you lay minus 230 on Sarah Morris? That's just a bad bet. It's a bad play. I have no interest in betting this one either, but there's enough edges to Morris where I do favor enough to get the win just slightly, though. It's like a minus, like for me, it's like I'm like minus, you know, 140 plus 100 or something like that. Like whatever the, the comeback is, plus 120. That's kind of how I look at this fight. So to see her 230, it's like, I don't get it. At the same time, though, I wouldn't bet on Melo either. How could you bet? How could you back someone who's own three, Cole? He never won a fight in the UFC. He's never made weight. How could you back that fighter? You can't. So. No interest in Melo as a dog either, but Morris, like, Cole, like, listen, she's got the reach, she's got the height, she's got the experience. She has some stuff in her favor, but from what I've seen her through in the years in the UFC, she's just kind of limited, man. And, uh, you know, it, some of her wins were kind of like uh, the lucky variety, I'd say, if anything. Like, she'll get taken down and, like, the armbar on Smith or her opponent, Jujua, gassing out and beating her in the third round. Like, I don't know if that's going to happen here, so... I think it's a little bit of a trickier fight for Morris than some people are thinking, man. I'll tell you that right now, Cole. I'm not going to pick Melo. I can't back her because of all the weight misses, all the losses. But I do think she's got a better chance here than people think. I will pick Morris by decision, Cole, but I have no interest in this fight either. And, you know, I, there's there's some really good spots in this card, guys. These aren't them. Like, again, that's my opinion. But, you know, you got to pick your spots. And I don't think this is a good spot to bet. Jamie Gidley, what's going on, buddy? Hey, guys, hope you had a good New Year. It's nice to be back. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you having you, dude. You're an old uh, parting shot listener, Jamie, so you've been with us for the beginning, for the beginning of time, man. So appreciate you joining us. All right, next fight, Cole. Maybe we'll get some Accenture coming up soon. David Zawada versus Ramazan Amiv at uh, welterweight. Right now, Amiv minus 260, Zawada plus 220. What do you think of this one? This is a really good fight. I think... I don't like the line. I think David Zawad is still not getting enough respect. Like you saw what he did last time submitted at Abu Kurd Magomedov was like a plus two sixty, plus two seventy underdog. Before that, lost to Li Liang. No, uh, that's not a bad loss at all. And then the split against Daniel Roberts. I know some people thought he won that fight. With Amiv, though, I just think his wrestling is going to be too much. He obviously when he got that big step up in competition, Anthony Rocco Martin, he lost, but when he's fighting like these lower level of the wealth weights, like outside that top 20, which I think David Zawada is, he, he beats them pretty, not easily, but he does do very well. Like you look at a Sam LV beat and Anatoly Tokov and M1, he beat like, he has some good wins, but I don't really know what the UFC is doing with him. I don't really understand his matchmaking. Like he goes UFC debut, Sam LV wins. And he goes Alberto Mina and Stefan Sukalic. Not very well-known guys and he fights anthony drago martin loses and then he goes uh nicholas stolze so it's kind of weird matching i don't really understand it i think this water fight is probably one that should have happened after anthony rock martin but i expect him to just use wrestling just grind out a decision win but like we saw in zawada's last fight like he if amiv goes in with a bad takedown attempt like zawada can hop on that neck and choke him out but i like amiv i just think the line's a bit too high i like him too cole i do like him even his fights um but it's an interesting matchup, too. I think the line's a little too high. I'm with you there. I think it's a little too high. I do favor him to win, though, just basically because he, he's really good at winning decisions. Like, we've seen that time and time again with this guy. Even the Rocco fight, which he lost, was super close. But you look at some of the other fights, like Alvi, Mina, Sukulich, Stolte. Like, he just grinds these decisions out. He's good at doing that. Uh, the thing about this, interesting about this fight, I guess this is why the UFC made this matchup, is because 
you look at Zawada historically, very few decisions in his career. Like his fights often end inside the distance. So I guess the matchmakers think that he's going to push Amiv to try to get a finish or something. Amiv has not got a finish since joining the UFC four years ago, Cole. Never got a finish yet. So that's that's not good. But he's one of these guys that's really effective at winning these like ugly, boring decisions. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I do like Zawada. Like, you know, I could see him getting a knockout core or a sub because he does have that finishing ability. But more times than not, I just see Amiv being able to like thwart those offensive opportunities from Zawada, grind him against the fence, take him down, call out, strike him a little bit from distance, and win like a 29-20 or 30-27 decision. So I'm actually just like I don't like the line at minus 260, but I do like that prop on him winning by decision at basically even money. I think that's a really good bet, guys. And I understand Zawada, you know, he's not a guy that often goes to decision, but he has a few times in his career, and this could be another one of them just because of the matchup. So you know, I, I don't love props. I don't love laying juice, but, you know, basically even money for an outcome that I feel is really likely, like an 80% chance of winning. I think there's some value in that in that line. So that's something I would look at for this fight. You know, I do think Amiv wins, but, you know, the minus 260 is quite a bit. And I just feel like an even money to get him to win by the decision and a guy that's never won by um, submission or knock on the UFC. I think that's a decent bet, Cole. So like, that's something I'd look at. I'm not saying, you know, go crazy on it, guys, but Amiv by decision is definitely something I would take a look at in this fight. I would rather play that than lay him straight personally. Um, and that's a rare opportunity where I would, but, you know, minus 260, that's that's a little hefty. But, you know, minus 105, even money, Cole, basically. That's What do you think of that play, Cole? You like that? Yeah, I think I actually like that one. I think it's yeah. a lot better than playing him straight. Mm-hmm. One of the few op- few chances, like, I would say that that's a good play, like a prop. You know, you guys know me. I prefer straight plays, but... It's hard to play minus two sixty. It's risky because you lose. You're going to lose. You know, almost three units of your bank or whatever. You, however, you bet your your fights. All right. Next up, Cole. Heavyweight bout: Carlos Felipe against Justin Taffa. So we got boy against the bad man. <laughs> it's gonna be a fun one. All right, let's go. Felipe minus one eighty five. Taffa plus one sixty. Who's your pick? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I think Justin Taffa really has one way to win. He has to go out there and knock out Carlos Felipe. But like we've seen in Felipe's fight so far in the UFC, like he has a really good chin. Like Jorgen Castro threw everything he had at him, and he just kind of walked through. It's him, Sergey Spivak. Taffa did get knocked out by Jorgen Castro, and then he goes out there. Uh, a lot of people expect him to lose to Juan Adams. I think Juan Adams is someone that the UFC wanted to try to build up, and then he goes out and knocks out Juan Adams. But Speaking of props, I actually like a prop on this fight. I like Carlos Felipe by decision is plus 220. I don't know if you saw that, but Felipe doesn't finish anyone. If he can survive <laughs> that first round where Justin Tapp is going to have all that power, it's his fight to lose. Like, I fully expect him to win the second, third round. And, like, if you look at his last fights, he beat to Castro by decision. Uh, went to the distance with Sergey Spivak. Like, it, even on the regional scenes, he wasn't finishing a whole lot of fights. Like, this guy just goes the distance at heavyweight. I don't know why they're juicing that line so much, but. I like Felipe. I think he wins by decision because I can't see him finishing Justin Taffa. I mean, I think it's possible. It's heavyweight fight, so I, I could see him getting knocked out. But yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad play. I do like Felipe in this fight, though. You know, I, I do think he wins, Cole. I, I don't mind him at all here. Um, this guy was pretty active this year. He's not my favorite fighter. You know, the speed out fight, he was crying about the way he was held down and stuff. And then the Castro fight, you know, he's talking all the smack, didn't want to shake the guy's hand. So I think this guy's kind of got a bad attitude, but like, whatever. I mean, it's. I'm not the one in the cage with him, right? Uh, I think this dude has looked pretty good in the UFC. Okay, he's like looked okay, Cole, not great, but you know, Taffa to me though is like the guy you have to fade. Um, 
what two fights got knocked out then came back and and he beat adams but like that guy's not in the ufc anymore he's a guy that really just didn't fare well at all he hasn't fought in a year now uh, there's a lot of things going against him but against a heavyweight fight called taffa is a bigger man he's got 20 pounds of weight on him too like you look at the weight it's 265 to 245 so we've seen in the past that yes the speed could help and i think that's what will happen here but it could also hurt him and taffa could just have a huge punch and knock this guy out in the first round so it's a it's a tr- it's a little tricky, but because it's heavyweight. But I think Felipe is the better fighter too. So I'm with you, Cole. And honestly, like you know, I gotta look at it more as far as the method. But that decision props not bad, especially when you consider like you know this guy has gone a distance in his first two UFC fights. So yeah, I'm gonna take Felipe, and I'm gonna look more than that decision one. But uh, I do think he wins. It's just you know it's heavyweight, guys. So you gotta be careful. You can't go crazy. But and minus one eighty five is not a bad line. Like. I thought he'd be a little higher, Paul, I'll be honest, like maybe minus 250 here. So to me, like, you do have a little bit of wiggle room on this guy here. But, again, it's heavyweight, guys. you gotta be, you got to be careful with heavyweight, man. Like, one punch can end it. And it's very possible Taffa connects and puts this dude out. But we'll see. All right. Next up. I like this fight. This is an interesting one. Omari Akhmedov against Tom Breeze. And right now we got Tom Breeze minus 150, Akhmedov plus 130. What do you think of this fight? This is a really tough fight to call just because you don't really know what Tom Breeze is going to show up. Is the Tom Breeze that showed up against Kate Buller the one that's full-time? Or is the one that showed up against Brendan Allen that didn't look like he wanted to be there? Or the one that just can't make it to the fights like Ian Heinish and Cesar Ferrer where he pulls out the day of the fight? Like that, That's a problem with Tom Breeze, and that's why I have a hard time putting money on him. Just because there's two Tom Breezes. There's one that's like looks like a legit top 10 guy, and then there's another one that looks like he has no interest in being in there, just wants to get out as quick as possible. And... If he's that version against Omari Akhmedov, Omari Akhmedov's just going to out-wrestle him and just kind of ground-pound him out. But I do have to go with Tom Breeze. I think just the way he looked last fight, it was impressive. He looked jacked. He looked in shape. Like He looked like he was finally taking his career seriously. Omari Akhmedov, his last fight kind of bugged me just because he gassed out against Chris Wyden. That was really... Both of them were absolutely exhausted. It was ever won the third round, won the fight. And Akhmedov just had no urgency. Like he just let Weidman hold onto his back for the whole three rounds. And then, but you look at the fight four, like he goes out now, cardio is a guy like Ian Heinish. So I don't really know why his cardio was so bad against Wyman. Like both these guys are so hard to pick their fights because they're so inconsistent. But I do like Tom Breeze. I think Breeze can keep the fight standing and on the feet, I think he's much better. Will he finish Omar Akhmedov? I don't think so. I'll pick Breeze by decision, but it's a tough one to call. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the point you made about Akhmedov. Like this guy was, he was on a win streak. He was out cardioing everyone and then fights Wyman. And it's like this guy, he was gasping for Iroquois, and I had him in the Wyman fight. I thought he'd win that fight, and he, he lost, which which worries me, but it could be a hint that you know he's kind of on decline now. Uh, I like Tom Breeze Cole. I do like him in this fight. Listen, I understand he's got some risk because the layoffs, um, all the issues he's dealt with, like not only physically but mentally too. Like He's admitted to like being nervous and stuff and pulling out of fights for that reason. So this guy has got some, some issues, but it seems like he's been working on them. And man, he's looked he looked great against Katie Buller. Like, yes, it hasn't been that long since he got finished by Allen, like not long at all. But the Buller fight showed to me that like this guy's made some serious strides in the last year. And I was very impressed by his performance there. I like him for a few reasons in this fight. Uh, he's a bit bigger. Uh, the reach is actually the same, but he's a southpaw, which should help him as well. The other thing I like is his takedown defense. Historically, it's 75%. That's that's quite good. Akhmedov uh, is gonna shoot for takedowns, I think, in this fight. I don't know if he'll be successful with them. He could probably win a round. Can he win two? I'm not sure. I like Tom Breeze in this fight, Cole. I actually really like him in this fight. Um, 
Minus 150 is a decent line, guys. You could play that straight. That's why I like it, too, because you don't have to parlay them. You can just play them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see the weigh-in at this fight. I'd like to see how they match up size-wise. Like, Medov is a guy that's kind of a funny middleweight. Like, he could fight a welterweight, I think, but he's pretty strong middleweight still. I'd like to just see how he matches up physically with Tom Breeze, but I like Tom Breeze in this fight call. You know, of, of all the, the fights we've broken down so far, this is the one I'm most confident in, I think, as far as a play goes, just because the, the line is, is right. You know, if you lose, you don't you don't hurt yourself too much. So I like Tom Breeze call. I'm gonna go with Tom Breeze here, and in minus 150, he's definitely a guy that I, I'm putting a star beside for a potential bet. All right, next up, we got a women's bantamweight belt between Wu Yanin and Jocelyn Edwards. Interesting fight here, Cole. Wu Yanin minus 140, Edwards plus 120. Who's your pick? Yeah, this is a tough fight. I think I. It, I actually had no clue who I was picking in the Yan and Wu Betcraya fight just because mm. that was a tough one. And then that's not, I think, might be even harder just because Yan and Wu's been so inconsistent. Like, she goes out, UFC debut, loses to Gina Mazzani, doesn't look good. Takes almost literally a full year off, then goes out, submits Laura Miller in the first round, then takes a full year off, loses to Mazika and MUA by split decision, close fight. But she's not fighting very often. Then she had, didn't fight at all in 2020. So, like, do you really bet that? But then with Jocelyn Edwards, like, it's kind of an unknown. Like she, her one fight in LFA, she lost to Sarah Alparsh. And then other than that, she hasn't really fought anyone of note. I'll go with Yan and Wu just because of the UFC experience. I think she's a bit better on the feet and she's fought better competition. But again, this is a fight similar to that uh, Sarah Marais fight. I have no interest betting either side. I think this is a complete pass. There's better spots to pick and you don't have to bet every fight. And I don't really care to bet this one. Yeah, that, that's for sure. I agree with that. It's good advice. Uh, as far as this fight goes, you know, I'm going to be honest, like, Looking at also topology is wrong. I don't think this is a 125. It's a 135, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. So just if anyone's looking, because yeah, it's at 135. So topology's got to fix that. Just in case anyone's wondering, Yannin Wu is moving up in weight. She's supposed to fight Betch Korea, like Cole said. That would have been a tough fight to pick, Cole. That would have been a tricky one. It was supposed to be Betch's retirement fight. Anyways, as far as this fight goes, I gotta be honest, guys. Initially, when Marcel was on last week and he was the one, I think Marcel was actually the one who broke the news or someone did, but he mentioned him last week. I was like, who's Jocelyn Edwards, right? Then I remembered who she was. <laughs> I, I I don't want to admit this, but I spent way too much time watching her tape last night just because I wanted to get a better reading her as a fighter. I watched like four or five of her fights. Um, you know, she's an interesting fighter, man. She has a lot of knockout power. Like for a woman at 135, she has legitimate KO power. The thing I like about her is she's super long. She's got a really long reach, and she's aggressive as hell. Look at her fights, man. The last fight, she finished the girl in 28 seconds. It was super, super quick. Also, she finishes uh, Brenda Gonzalez, who I think is Tim Means' wife, if I'm not mistaken. She, she finished her. The fight with Alper in, in uh, LFA worries me, though, because she got grinded out. The thing is, since then, she has only fought once for 28 seconds in the last two years. That's another, like, worry. But I did like what I saw because of her aggressiveness, man. She has legitimate knockout power, and on the, on the ground, she's actually quite good in the ground. She has a slick ground game. Now, to be fair... Some of the opponents she was beating earlier in her career in like Mexico and stuff weren't that good, like 0 and 0 and stuff. But the last couple opponents she's fought had decent records and she won those fights, except for the Alper fight, which was close. Wu Yannin, like you said, Cole, super inconsistent in the UFC. She gets grinded out by Mazzani. She beats Muir when she gets taken down and submits her as a huge underdog. And then she loses a really close fight to Inoue. If you look at the stats, maybe she should have won that fight. Some could argue it. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that. Edwards has a better chance to win, I think, than some people might think. I think the odds are are pretty bang on because I think Wu, based on just having the full camp, should probably be favored a little bit. 
But I'm going to go on a limb here, Cole, and take my first dog in the night. And I'm going to take Jocelyn Edwards because from what I've seen, Wu Yan and his, her striking, and actually both women don't have good striking defense. That's a huge problem with Edwards. She could get knocked out too if she fights someone with more power. But I think in this case, Yan's not a knockout artist. I don't think she'll catch her in the chin. I like Jocelyn Edwards, guys. I don't love her because of basically she got one week's notice for this fight. But I do think she's a better fighter. And I think a plus 120 is not terrible. So I consider it, you know, I'm going to pick her. But as far as the play goes, it's something you have to wait for the win. And you got to make your decision because in general, betting on short-range fighters is not a winning strategy. But I do think in this case, she could win this fight. So that's my pick, Cole. Jocelyn Edwards. And hopefully my tape study pays off on this one, Cole. We'll see, though. All right. Next up. Oh, we're going to have to card. Sweet. Okay. Now we're on. Uh, okay. This is the last prelim. Nasruddin Imavov versus Phil Hawes. Interesting fight here, Cole. Uh, Phil Hawes right now minus 140. Imavov plus 120. So same odds as the last fight. What's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is a really tough one. I've been going back and forth on it. I don't really put much stock into Phil Hawes' last fight. I didn't think Jacob Malcon was UFC caliber, went out there, knocked on 18 seconds, just showed he has legit power, but that's something everyone kind of knew about Phil Hawes. I think it that this is definitely a tough fight because Imoov, like I really liked him in his last fight against Jordan Williams. I, I thought Williams was gonna win, but he um showed good, like was really well rounded. But Phil Haas, I think he has that wrestling background where if you look at who he lost to, it's Julian Marquez and Luis Taylor, who ended up winning a million dollars, and Andrew Sanchez on tough. And I think his wrestling has improved so much since then, where I think he'll be able to keep this fight standing. On the feet, I think he's a lot better striker than Imovov, but the problem I have is what happens is fight hits that second, third round. Like, is Haas's power still there? Is his cardio still there? Because if he starts to gas out, I wouldn't be surprised if Imovov starts taking him down, ground pounds him out. But I do think his cardio is there. I think he can bank the first two rounds, probably just have to survive that third round and win a decision. He might be able to knock on Imovov, but Imovov has shown he has a good chance. He's taken a lot of good shots. So my pick's Phil Haas, but this is definitely a close one. I just want to mention quickly, I forgot to say for the last fight, the Edwards fight, she doesn't have a reach, doesn't have a reach listed at UFC.com, but in her last fight, it said 69 inches, if I'm not mistaken. So just so people know that, she does have a longer reach than that last fight. Let me get this comment. So Verda said, hey, what's up, man? He says, uh, in paper, Jocelyn looks tough, but the layoff from Wu is tricky. She's young because she's major improvements. That's true. You okay, Cole? You're dying over there. Yeah. Cole's having a, a death on camera here, guys. You okay, Cole? You're yeah, the water, the water went down my throat wrong. <laughs> no worries, man. If you have to go to the bathroom, no worries. I'll I'll, uh, I'll be okay. This fight, Cole, I'm, I'm kind of with you in the breakdown. I think that it really comes down to can get Haas get him out there in the first round. That's what it comes down to for me because Phil Haas is a knockout artist in the first round, Megatron. The problem is if he doesn't get that first round finish, Cole, I think he's going to be at a serious disadvantage as far as the cardio goes. We saw Imovov in his last fight against Jordan Williams, which was a nice win. And to me... It's kind of a similar matchup. We saw Jordan Williams is like a knockout artist. He's kind of the same guy. Like Obviously, it's a bit, bit different. I think Hawes is more power than Williams. But Williams is a fast, strong guy. And Imovov schooled him in that fight. And you know he, he beat that former UFC fighter, Jonathan Mounier, in his fight before that Canadian guy. Looked great. He's on a nice win streak right now, six straight wins. Phil Hawes is on a five-right win streak too. I mean, this guy, I got to give him credit. A lot of us counted him for dead after he uh, had left – uh, the contender series and he lost that fight. He goes to Bellator, starts winning and gets another strong contender series now at UFC. So I got to give him credit uh, for coming back. And he looked great against Malkoon, but I mean, who's Jacob Malkoon when you think about it, right? He's like, what, a teammate of Robert Whitaker? Who's he? I think Imavov is the better fighter, guys. I think for me, it comes down, if Haas doesn't get him out there in the first round, I'm confident Imavov will win 
a decision. So it's another fight call. A live bet could be an opportunity yeah. here. If Haas doesn't get that first round finish, maybe uh, uh, Nazarene can finish him after that. Because you look at, again, Haas's finishes, almost all of them call in the first round. So if he doesn't get that first round finish, I think he will lose this fight. And I'll, I'll go on a limb. I'll take another dog. I'll take Imavov. Uh, to me, there's going to be a lot of favorites winning this card, as the lines indicate. But I do like Imavov a little bit, guys, at plus 120. I wouldn't go crazy, but I do think he should actually be slightly favored, I think, just because of the cardio. So we'll see what happens, but I'm going to take Imavov by decision. I'm going to go for these uh, comments here. Babel Fen, hey, what's going on, man? Imavov got a more complete game. I think Haas will only win if he lands in the first. That's exactly what I just said. I agree completely. He says he's got Imavov by decision. Haas, hey, RT, what's going on, man? He says Haas is huge, and for some reason, he spams takedowns against the cage and then gasses himself out. Haas, Haas hasn't won a fight past round one except his two fights versus the 0-1 fighter, 0-3 fighter. Another good point, Cole. But he's got huge knockout power, and he could easily land like a head kick in the first round and put this guy out. But I just I don't see it happening. I like Imavov by decision. I think he's the more well-rounded guy. Actually, what are the odds on that? Even fought by decision is uh, plus 363. Holy fuck. Yeah, that's something I would consider too. Again, I'm not a huge prop player, guys. I just think betting straight is the way to go. But at almost four to one odds on an outcome that I think is very likely, I think that's a decent play. I guess that I guess the odds makers think if he if he's gonna win, it's gonna be by stoppage once Haw's gases, but I don't know. I, I think it's more likely to go the distance. We'll see though. All right, Cole. That was the prelims. We'll see what happens there. Now it's time for the main card of UFC on ABC1, and we'll kick it off with middleweights. Love this fight. Two prospects, Punaheli Soriano and Dusko Todorovic. Cole, I love this fight, man. I really do. Todorovic, minus 155. Punaheli Soriano, plus 135. Who's your pick? I like the underdog in uh, Punaheli Soriano. I just think – I think I don't really understand this fight. I don't know why the UFC would want to match make these guys both undefeated. I think they're both – Two of the top, they're better prospects at middleweight. And they're both pretty young. Soriano's 28, Tudorovic is 26. So I think this is a fight that could have happened like three, four years down the road. But I think if Soriano, why I like Soriano is, first off, dude's Hawaiian. The guy is impossible to finish. Like he takes damage. And I think if Dusko Tudorovic can't get him out of there, I think it's Soriano's fight to lose where Soriano has much better gas tank from what I've seen. I think in his ground game is a lot better where in that second, third round, I expect him to just use his wrestling, be able to kind of hold Tudorovic down, maybe going for a choke, but I, it definitely, Tudorovic has path to victory. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out there and finishes Puno Soriano in the first round. Like, this is a fight to really see, like, who is that top prospect at middleweight. Soriano hasn't fought since December 2019, which does scare me. It has been a, over a year, so what's, but then again, he's still young, so maybe he made a lot of improvements with that year off. It's it's tough fight to call. I like Soriano, though. I think he just out cardio's uh, Todorovic uses wrestling in that second, third round just to win a decision. I'll take this call from Daniel. Hey, Daniel, what's going on? Good morning, buddy. He says, hi, lads. I have Dusko by stoppage. He says, UFC's been doing more prospect prospect fights. Yeah, they have. Kay Hansen got another one of those fights. It's so weird. Okay, as far as this fight goes, I mean, I, I love both guys. I Listen, I have a love-hate relationship with these kind of fights, Cole, because I love seeing a guy really take that step forward in his career. But I hate the fact that it's going to be at the expense of another really good prospect. I really like both these guys. Actually, it's funny. Soriano, I was at his last fight, Cole. It was the Usman Covington card. He knocked out Oscar Pachota in the first round. That guy, <laughs> talk about having a weak chin. I mean, that guy's the, the poster boy for it. But, you know, this guy is a solid fighter, man. He really is. He's uh, well-rounded, good striking, good grounding, got knockout power. We saw in the picket fight, he can win decision too. So he's solid. The layoff does worry me a little bit. But he's a pretty young fighter, and I think that he'll – He'll be in decent shape for this fight. 
Dusko, though, man, I mean, I really like both guys, but I, I think Dusko's special, man. I really do. Like, this guy is a, an absolute monster, I think, with his grappling. And you saw that in the fight with uh, Daquan Townsend, his last fight, took him down, beat the crap out of him. Um, it's the guy who beat Michelle Perheya two fights ago, knocked him out in the first round. Like, this guy is legitimate. He's never lost in his career. Well, he's only been a pro for five years, too, which is amazing. Actually, Soriano's only been a pro for, for three. So, this guy, it's amazing that they're in the UFC this fast and they're already having success. But actually, I'm curious to hear what other people want to say about this fight. Go ahead and throw it in the comments, guys. I'd like to hear what you guys think. But, you know, I love Cole. I, I just have a different read in this fight, Cole. I really like Dusko in this fight, man. I think he's going to take him down and beat him up and, and either ground and pound his way to win or or win a decision maybe. But, uh, you know, Soriano's got legit Mikhail power. And I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he did knock out Dusko. I just think from what we've seen with Dusko, man, the ground game is pretty damn dominant. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to take uh, Dusko by... I'll take him by ground pound. I, I think you can get him down and, and beat him up like that. By the way, I don't know who was doing his uh, topology. They got they don't have to fix it really, but they have to clean it up because what if it's wins just says pound? It just says win pound. What does that even mean? Let's see what this guy says. Babel fan. As a fan, I love the prospect prospect fights. It doesn't really make sense to me, but it doesn't make sense to me. See, it's already a perspective UFC careers. Yeah, I agree with that too. It's it's kind of strange. But the thing is, like, there's so many good fighters in that division. Like, we're getting to the point now where there's so much talent, Cole, where they have to match up these undefeated guys. And it's a main card opener. I think this is the proof the UFC really wants the winner this fight to take a step forward. And, again, my my lean is towards Dusko. But, you know, Soriano's got legitimate KO power. It's going to be an interesting fight. It'll be interesting to see. And one of, one of me or Cole will get bragging rights on that one. All right, Cole. Uh, Joaquin Buckley returns to the octagon against Alessio DiCirico in a fight that's really been cr scrutinized, criticized. Uh, when I posted the uh, the article on BJ Cole a few weeks ago, I guess, people were like, who the heck is Alessio Chirko? Even though he's been in the UFC for like five years. Like, he's been in the UFC forever. He's not a great fighter. But I think what bothers people, Cole, is you have a guy off of two straight highlight real knockouts against a guy on a three-fight losing streak. It's just obvious the UFC who they want to win this fight, right? Like, it's pretty obvious, right? Now, the question is, can Chirko pull it off? I'm not so sure. You know, Buckley's a guy that obviously the UFC is extremely high on. They're matchmaking him now with the intention of getting him these highlight real wins. We saw that in the last fight with uh, with Jordan Wright. We saw the impact fight, we didn't really know what was going to happen there. The Jordan Wright fight was obviously like that. They were trying to build him up. Dana White named him as one of his fighters to watch this year. They want him to win this fight, I think. Um, you know, he's he's a longer guy. He's got the, the he's got a slight reach advantage. He's, he's, he's a southpaw. He's a little shorter physically, but I think the reach and the southpaw make up for that. He's a guy that is obviously an extremely good athlete. He's got knockout power. He's got good good takedown defense. How is the Chirko win this fight? I'm just not sure how he's going to win. He just has to grind out a really ugly decision. I don't think he can get him down, so he's going to have to win it on the feet. Can he do that? I'm not sure. He couldn't even outstrike Zach Cummings' goal. You know, I, listen, I, I understand the line is... I don't know if I mentioned the line. Sorry about that. It's minus 265 plus 225. I know it's minus 265, but I really like him in this fight goal. I, I think he should be minus 400. So... Buckley. I think Buckley by knockout or decision, they could both happen. But man, Cole, like, I think that the line's a little low, even though he's minus 265. I actually think he should be minus 400 in this fight. I just, I don't see a path of victory for DiCirico. What do you think of this one? I think there is a path where DiCirico has such good chin. The guy doesn't get knocked. He's never been knocked on his career. <clears throat> what happens if we see Buckley in that second, third round? Like, what's his card going to look like? DiCirico doesn't have a much finishing power though that's the only thing like if he had power maybe he just survives that onslaught just tries to get him when buckley's tired 
I still am not sold with Buckley as I don't think he'll be a top 15 guy in the UFC. I think the UFC is carefully matching him. I think there's a reason why the James Crow's fight or the Zach Commons fight isn't happening right now because the UFC wants this guy to get some more wins, build him up. Like you saw what happened when he fought a legit guy and Kevin Holland, he got dominated. He, when he fought a legit guy in belt or Logan Storley, he got dominated. Like he's, I think he's just a guy that the UFC is going to carefully match make just to build up his knockouts, but I can't see him ever making a run up the division, but I'll pick Buckley by decision. I don't know if he'd be able to knock a chair go, but it, I don't like this fight at all. It's just a weird fight. I, I don't like the fight either, Cole. Why didn't they just do that fight with James Cross? Everyone wanted to watch it, but I guess, like you said, they want, they want to build them up. I think what Babel fan says, he says, the jerk would make the case he was a victim of two bad decisions, Holland and Murdoch. Yeah, they were close fights. He definitely won the Holland fight. Uh, I think I might have scored for him. I can't remember, but it was super close. Daniel has got a comment on Dusko. He says, Dusko looks open. Like, guys let their hand go. He goes in and clinches. Hands down style, stifles his opponents. We'll see how that fight goes. It's going to be a good fight. And he also has a comment about the Jericho fight. Dropped heavy at the bell by Cummings. That's true, Cole. I forgot about that. And that's actually why he lost that fight, I think. That was a close fight. Think UFC are making the fight, thinking Alessio's chin is, is compromised. Yeah, it's possible. That's a great point, actually, Daniel. Great point. I actually forgot about that late knockdown that fight. But yeah, I like Buckley, guys. And again, the line's high. You know, you'd have to parlay. I don't I don't think I'd play him straight in my Suzuki 5. You'd have to parlay him with someone. And maybe that's someone's gonna be this next guy in the next fight, Cole. Santiago Pontevedo against Lee Jing Liang in the welterweight boats. Uh Santiago making his long-awaited return to the octagon. He hasn't fought in over two years. Takes on Lee Jing Liang. It's funny, actually, both guys coming off a fight with Neil Magny, but uh Ponzinibbio knocked him out, and Jing Liang lost a lackluster decision. Right now, the odds, minus 290, Pons, plus 245 for Jing Liang. i got to be honest, Cole, I, I think Ponzinibbio should be heavy favorite this fight. What do you think, though? Yeah, I like Sandy over Ponzinibbio. This guy is a legit top 10, maybe even top 5 welterweight. It just kind of sucks that injuries kind of derailed him. Like, look at his run he had up after losing to Lorenz Larkin. Like, he, Cormigy, Zach Commons, got, like, he knocked out Gunnar Nelson in the first round, beat Mike Perry, knocked out Neil Magny, and, like, we've seen what Magny's done since that loss. Like, he's a guy that has a ton of knock power. His striking's very good. We've seen him go into that fourth round, like, a three-round fight. There's no worries about his cardio. Li Jing Liang just kind of got out-muscled against Neil Magny. We just kind of held him up against the cage. It was a kind of a surprising win over Eliza's Leski Dos Santos. That was a good one, but Ponzi really is a different beast. I think he's just going to be able to outstrike Li Jing Liang. Where does he finish him? I'm not too sure because Jing Liang has such is rare, very durable. And what's Ponzinibbio going to look like after two years off? Like maybe he just kind of plays it safe, just gets his feet wet, like just get a win, and then his next fight he kind of goes out for that and looking for that knockout. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of just wants to get some octagon time, like wants to play this fight out for a bit. But Alex Santiago Ponzinibbio here, I think he's a good parlay piece. I think he's going to win. Maybe a late Salvador decision. I like him too. Listen, the layoff is obviously something you have to think about, though. Like two in a, two in a year, two two plus years. That's a long time, guys. So much has happened in the two years since then. Like so much has happened. So to me, like that's a long layoff. He's had a lot of health issues. He had COVID nineteen, so he had a lot of health issues that really affected his career. And now he's coming back at age thirty four. But I still believe in this guy, Cole. I really do, man. American Top Team. He's with. He's got the best training camp in the world. The guy is an absolute stud. Like you've seen him time and time again in the UFC. Nine, nine and two record, Cole. Nine and two is great. Seven fight win streak. He's got some nice wins, Magny, Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson. Like, yeah, looking back now, they're not like the top 10 wins. They they should, they would have been at that time. Cole, two years ago, those were big names. Mike Perry was a huge name two years ago, right? He still is the big name, but he's obviously not as effective as a fighter. But to me, those are those are nice wins. And 
I, I just always like this guy. He's got legitimate KO power. He's long. He's rangy. He's got good good takedown defense. He's just a tough dude. He's been knocked out once. Lawrence Larkin knocked him out in the UFC. So Jing Liang's going to go for the knockout, obviously. That's his path to victory here. And Jing Liang, you've got to give the guy credit. He's got crazy knockout power. He is one of the best Chinese fighters there's ever been in the MMA. He's uh, he's a great fighter. I just think he's a little bit limited when he fights a top 15 guy like this. And Ponzinibbio is a guy that he's not ranked now, but he was ranked. And if he was healthy, he'd be ranked. I think once he wins this fight, he'll probably jump back in that top 15. Cool. Like he should have, he shouldn't have left in the first place, but to be fair to him, yet he, he was very inactive. Although his argument is why did Brian Ortega stay in the rankings when mm-hmm. I got taken out? That's his argument. But either way, Cole, I really like Ponzinibbio in this fight, guys. I really do. The layoff does worry me in the back of my mind, but even so, I just really like him in this fight. I think the UFC is giving him a, a winnable fight for his return against the guy who leaves himself open in Jing Liang. And I'm with Cole. You know, maybe he can't put Jing Liang out. Maybe he just goes to the decision, which is not a bad thing. For a guy who hasn't fought in two years and two months, having a little bit of cage time, 50 minutes, would be a good thing, Cole. So I'm with you. Maybe he just goes in there and tries to grind him up. Maybe we, maybe we see him use his grappling for once. Maybe we see that, Cole. Like, who knows, really? So... Either way, guys, I like Ponzinibbio. I actually just looked on uh, best fight odds. If you parlay Ponzinibbio and Buckley, it's almost even money. That's not a bad play in my opinion, Cole. It's not bad. Again, I don't love parlays, guys, but I'm very confident both those guys win. And I do think Ponzinibbio could be a little bit favored more. Maybe I'm selling Jingling short. It's a guy I really like. I've bet on him many times as a dog. I know he's got KO power, guys. He's, you've seen him put guys away that he was an underdog to you. But I just think this is a tough fight. I legitimately think Ponzinibbio can be a top 10 guy, top 5 guy, Cole. I think he's that good. If he wins this fight, I'd love to see him fight someone like Stephen Thompson, like to, to really get an elevation and a step up. But we'll see what happens. Get some comments here. Battle fam, just happy saying I was going to fight. He's a good dude to fight for you to watch. And he's short notice for Jing Liang. That's a good point, too. You're supposed to fight Muslim Salikov. San Diego was. He says, Edward says, these are the twin that fights better and try to think every normal performance is interesting. That's funny. That is funny. He, uh, yeah, he, he, he does good. <laughs> All right. And we saw a fight, fight against the Lesky the Santos in, in China where he knocked him out as an underdog. That was a great win. All right, Cole. Co-main event. I love this fight, guys. <laughs> I'm like crossing my fingers hoping these guys stay bubble wrapped for like, what, four more days, five more days. Carlos Condit against Matt Brown. Two legends, two of my favorites. You know, I've been watching these guys forever. Love both these guys. Love this fight. Again, hope it stays intact. Carlos Condit, natural board killer, minus 160. Matthew Morrow Brown, plus 140. Cole. Uh, first off, I should say, this is going to be my pick for fight of the night. I do think it's going to win fight of the night. I think it's going to be an amazing fight. And uh, what's your thoughts on this one? I want to hear your pick, and then I'll give mine. I like Matt Brown in this fight. I just think wow. he's a bit better <laughs> lately. I've... Carlos Condit, like, I know he beat Court McGee. I don't really, Cor McGee is not that best high-level fighter before that. That loses me still in the back of my mind with Matt Brown. Like, the guy, even at 40 years old, still has legit one-punch dog power. Like, he just needs to connect once. I know Carlos Khan has never been knocked out in his career. And he, but at, like, 36, 37, like, the chin has to eventually go sometime. I don't think Matt Brown's going to knock Carlos Khan out, but I think he can do enough damage where he'll be able to win a decision. I think this fight goes the distance. But the thing with Matt Brown is, like, he got knocked out against my Miguel Baeza, but in that first round, like Brown was really close to finishing Baeza. Like he dropped him, he hurt him. And I talked about Brown before this fight, and he was basically just said, like, look, 
if you look like who I was fighting, I went from Damian Maia to Jake Allenberger to Donald Cerrone to Diego Sanchez to Ben Saunders to Miguel Baez. He goes at 39 years old. Like it wasn't smart of me, but it's hard to train for that. Like I'm fighting a guy. None of my friends know none of them. Like no one knew who he was. We said like, he never really trained for that fight. This is a whole different thing. Like Carlos Condit's a fight he's wanted for years. I think it's going to bring out the best of both of them just because this has been a fight years in the making, but I think this fight stays on the feet and I like Matt Brown to just yeah, be able to land the better shots and win a decision. Like I said, guys, this is a fight I've wanted to watch for years and I love the matchup. I've always thought Condit had the upper hand in this fight and I don't think I'm going to change my pick. I, I'm going to historically take the same pick. I have the last two times they were booked to fight. I would have picked Condit then and I understand he's not the same guy he once was. I get that. He's, he's on a steep decline. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the five straight losses, he, didn't show much in those fights. He was getting finished almost every other fight. But the Cormac McGee fight, which I did pick him in as, uh, I think he was a dog, or it was like even money. I thought he looked great in that fight. You know, he looked like the old Condit, uh, the guy that is like a vicious savage, the natural born killer. I really liked how he looked, broke Cormac McGee's nose. Once he smelled blood in that fight, it changed him. I think it was the end of the first round or something. It was a close round, and then he broke his nose. And after that, we saw the Condit bold. And I like to see that. Matt Brown, I love the guy. But, I mean, this is a guy who has a lot of losses in his crew. I mean, look at his record. It's nearly 500, 22 and 17. He's a guy that more often than not loses. Um, you know, to be fair to Cole, like, you look at the losses, like, they're really tough dudes. Like, Baeza is a great fighter. Cerrone, Ellenberger. That was kind of an upset, actually, Ellenberger. But, I mean, he's got some nice wins. And I was at the Ben Saunders fight, too. That's the same card uh, Kuneheli fought. We talked about him earlier. He knocked out Ben Saunders in that, in that, uh, that fight. And he looked great in the Sanchez fight. So, he has KO power. But... I, like you mentioned, I mean, Carlos Condit has an iron chin. He's never been KO'd. He did get TKO'd by Woodley when his leg got uh, mangled, but other than that, he's never lost by knockout. I don't really see that happening here. Um, I think Condit would be more likely to win by knockout, but I actually, I'm kind of thinking this fight might go the distance and just be an absolute war. I love the fight. I really do. We'll see. I mean, it's possible Brown could win. I'm not, I don't think I can bet Condit here, guys, just because just the losing scale really worries me. If he was even money, I think about it, like the last one with McGee where I really liked him. Mm, this is kind of, it's a tricky fight. I mean, it is, you know, Cole's picking Brown. I love Cole. I respect his picks. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm writing Matt Brown off a little bit too much, but you know, Condit's only 36. Matt Brown's 40 now, Cole. He just turned 40 actually two days ago. So he's getting up there in age and I don't know. I just, I just, I think it's a good spot to fade him, but you want to fade Condit too. So it's kind of a weird fight, but yeah, I'm going to take Condit. Decision fight of the night. It's gonna be a good fight, I think. Daniel Edwards actually likes my body kick. That's another thing you could think about for sure. Because Condit's body, uh, sorry, Brown's body is is weak. We've seen that in the past. Battle fan kind of sucks. This matchup is happening when both guys are past their prime. I say that respectfully. Yeah, that's fair to say. But I feel Brown's got more than tank. He'll pick Matt Brown. Okay, fair enough. I like you, Battle fan. You got some good picks here, man. Good uh, breakdowns. Keep throwing comments at everybody. Jamie Gilly, what's going on? Again, uh, says a member being crushed from Brown and combat scrap from the Gaethje Dustin card, dude. I remember being crushed when they got scrapped on the Gilbert Melendez Benson Henderson card in 2013. Yeah. James Lynch, my, my good buddy, he actually came over to watching the fights together, but he fought Jordan and me in that night and he, he beat Jordan and me. And we were so high on Jordan at that time, Cole. We were shocked. Like Jordan was like the Canadian prospect of the future and he goes out there and Matt Brown finished him. So Matt Brown's a, a beast. No doubt about it. I just, I don't know. I, I just think he's a little old now. He's four years old and had a long career too. All right. Get this comment too. Condit maybe 36 is old 36. That's true too, man. Cause like I'm 32 and I feel like Condit, like I've been watching Condit since I was like like 50 years old or something. Cole. It's crazy. He's been around forever. Okay. Main event time, guys. 
main event of UFC on ABC One, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. And I'd love for people to throw their picks in the comments. I want to hear what other people have to say, but I want to get Cole's thoughts on this fight first. Max Holloway, minus 155, Calvin Caber, plus 135. The main event on the, U- the first UFC and ABC card, Cole, who's your pick? I really like Max Holloway in this fight. I think people are putting too much into the losses. Like Everyone thought he beat Alex Volkanovski. He doesn't feel a brain down this fight. They're like, oh, Max Holloway has lost one of his, or has won one of his last four. But okay, if you think he beat Volkanovski, then he's two and two in the featherweight champ again and not fighting Kelvin Cater. So, and the thing is, like, there's an argument he made. Like, he beat Dustin Poirier. Look at, like, look at MMA decisions. People thought he beat Dustin Poirier. That was a closer fight than I think a lot of people realize. I even watched it back and was surprised of how close it actually was. And then he beat Frankie Edwards, which is a good win. The thing with Calvin Cater, I think he really has one way to win this fight is he's got to knock out Max Holloway. And unfortunately, Max Holloway doesn't get knocked out. Like, I can't see Calvin Cater being able to outpoint Max Holloway over five rounds. I think Max Holloway is going to probably lose the first round and then just be able to outvolume Calvin Cater over the next three, four rounds, win a clear cut decision, <clears throat> but then just get back into the win column. I think this fight is still big. What's kind of surprising is Max Holloway is three years younger than Calvin Cater, which is kind of funny because this is kind of like that up and coming prospect versus that vet, but this is, Max Holloway still is young. I just think this fight's going to be standing. Uh, it's going to be a stand-up fight, and I think Max Holloway is the better striker, and will just be able to win a decision. It's one thing James Carley said. You remember watching Con in WC? Yeah, I actually have his DVDs from Mumble on the Rock from 2006, I think it was. So I mean, he's been fighting forever. All right, main event. Actually, it's 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 a good segue here. Mumble on the Rock, Hawaii. Max Holloway, Hawaiian. He's also a Raptors fan. I don't think he is anymore. They uh, they're not too good anymore, but. Uh, and let me take this comment from Daniel first. I'll have to get my breakdown. Because Max is too smart to give Cater the fight he needs. Change my pick, then Max my decision. Well, I love this fight. Actually, this could easily be fight night too. I, I think this fight might go the full five rounds. I'll say that. I kind of like uh, – I don't necessarily love over four and a half or anything like that, but I, I do think that's more likely here, Cole. Both guys have iron chins. I don't see them being knocked out in this fight. I just think it comes down to who's the better striker, who's the more uh, varied striker, who throws more volume. And I think that's going to be Max Holloway too. I, I do like him in this fight as well. Don't get me wrong. I really like Calvin Cater. I was so high in him in the last two fights. Uh, loved him in both those matchups. I just think this is a tough fight, man. I mean, Max Holloway is a legend of the sport. He's an absolute beast. I thought he beat Alex Volkanovsky. I thought he won the first three rounds of that fight. It's one of those situations where it was like a super close fight and the judges sided with the champ. I, I personally don't agree with that kind of line of thinking. I think you just got to score the round, round by round. No belt on the line, no champ. It's just two wins. Red corner, blue corner. That's how I look at fights. I think that's the way judges should. But I don't think they did in that fight. I think they were kind of like trying to even it up and make it a little bit more interesting. And I think that they got it wrong. So I'm with you, Cole. I think right now Max should be the champ fighting probably like Zabit or something or Brian Ortega again. Or I don't know, whoever, right? It's just funny how that works. Um, so, you know, if someone's saying about Max, he's lost three or four fights. He's on decline. That's the laziest breakdown I've ever heard. That's a lazy breakdown. I think it's fair to say this is a guy who's taken a lot of damage and you could start to see some signs of potential decline, but to say he's like shot fighter or something is ridiculous because he loses to like two elite fighters in Volk and Dustin Poirier, which up again was up a weight class. If you look at what Max has done historically at featherweight, it's impressive. Look at his wins. Aldo twice, Edgar, Brian Ortega, Anthony Pettis, Lama, Stevens, DuBronx, Swanson. I mean, cool. Like look up and down, Feely. Like the guy's got an incredible resume. He really does. Uh, he's just a great fighter, man. So I've always liked the guy. Um, the thing about this fight is like, I like Cater a lot too, 
and I would probably pick Cater against most guys. I just I kind of feel like this is gonna be like the uh the Zabif fight call where he's a little hesitant to pull the trigger and he starts to turn it on, but it's a little too late. Because I think if that fight was five rounds, he might have won that fight. A lot of people thought that Cole would have won like the last three rounds. So is he gonna out cardio Max Holloway Cole? I don't know. I don't know about that. So what Kater's going to have to do is either one, knock him out, which has never happened before in Max. It's possibly could drop him though. I, I could see that happening. He's got legitimate power. Or he's going to have to outstrike him for five rounds. And he does have a slight reach advantage, so I'll give him that. Max, surprising, is like a short reach for a guy. He, he's so long, but he's got a 69-inch reach. It's so weird, right? Kater's 72. three-inch reach advantage. That is something to consider because it's going to probably be a striking fight. But I just think Max is – He's just better as a as a more complete mixed martial artist, I should say. Cater's got, I think, the superior boxing with power. He's got the got more knockout power, no doubt about it. But Max has got that death by a thousand cuts type of approach, Cole. We see it time and time again. Also, I think Max is a little bit more willing to throw in kicks. I think Cater's just a puncher. Like we don't really see him doing other strikes. I think Max will throw some kicks in. I could also see I can see both guys shooting a takedown at some point. I don't know who's gonna win that grappling department. That'd be interesting. That, that would be a, a wrinkle if Cater just went for takedowns right away, Cole. That would be interesting. I, I don't know if that's going to even work because Holloway's got good takedown defense. Anyways, I like Max Holloway, guys. You know, my 155 is not a bad number. I really respect Cater. It's just one of these fights where I'm like, I, I don't want to bet against Cater because I really, really like him. But I just like this matchup for Max Holloway, and it's all about matchups in the sport. Max Holloway, Cole, by decision. Are you saying decision or, or TKO? Decision. Yeah, Holloway by decision is... Plus 135, I wouldn't even play that. I would rather just take him. Yeah. So any more thoughts on that? I'll get to some comments, but any more thoughts on that one, Cole? No. Okay, cool. Let me get some comments here. Babel fan. I'd pick Max. I'm not sure at all. I think Cater's good, but it's a must-win. I agree completely with your comment again. Like, I feel like me and you are we're sinking up here, man. It's good. Hey, Kevin, what's going on, buddy? He says, I think people underestimate Volk. Oh, they do. Max is going toe-to-toe with him twice. Might be more impressive than anything on Cater's record. That's a good point, too, actually. Also, like Cole said, Cater's somehow older, which is crazy to me. I'm just, like, it's just it's a, he's a late bloomer, Cole. You know, he's a guy that should have been the UFC a lot sooner. Babel fans has close fights, guys. The second one, I had 48, 47 for Max, but I could see people scoring for Volk. First fight was clear for Volk, 49, 46. Yeah, I was there for that fight again, and I think I had 50, 45. I thought he could control every round of that fight, but the second fight he still lost. Gilly, I got Max by decision. I'm getting Yair versus Zombie vibes in this fight. It will start off slow burn and get incredibly violent by the end as they both make adjustments. Yeah, that's kind of like how the Ige fight went a little bit too. It got it turned into like a war by the end of it. Battle fans, the beats camp specifically asked for not for five round fight with Cater. Yeah, he had a bad staff infection. We 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 uh, I think we're aware of that, but at the same time, you know, Zabit's cardio is something that's been questioned because he's never been five rounds. Um, by the way, Zabit called Dan White says he's going to return in the next three months. Who's he going to fight though? The winner of this fight? No. I think, fight? Really, I think it's really the only option is Korean Zombie because that's the next available guy if yeah. he wants to fight. Because look, so like if you have Hall, you have Holloway Cater maxed up, that's one to six. You have Ortega fighting the champ. Yeah, you're suspended. Zabit's three. You have Chancellor Jung at five. Josh Emmett's seven, who's out with an injury. Oh, yeah. That'd be you're not going to rematch Jeremy Stevens. That is he really going to take Arnold Allen? No. It's got to be Korean Zombie if he's going to fight soon. Why not the winner of this fight, though? Because, like, Ortega's getting the next title shot, right? I can't see either of these guys turning around in two months to... Yeah, that's the other thing. Because Dana said three months. But, I mean, that, that timeline could be wrong. I don't know. Like, I'm with you, Cole. Probably going to be Zombie when you look at the, the division. 
we got a few minutes left, guys. We have like four minutes, so we'll talk for a few more minutes, Cole. But uh, as far as breakdowns, we're done, I think. So if anyone has any more questions, throw them in there. Take this one from Babel Fan. Yeah, your suspension's almost over. Yeah, three more months. Dana White said, I, I actually listened to it. I did an article, and he said, we're not sure. We might move on for that fight. We don't know yet, basically. That's what he said. So they might move on. They might just rebook that fight, though, Cole. They might wait. They're like, okay, we already waited a year. Might as well wait three more months, maybe. But if I'm Zabi, Cole, he just needs to fight now, right? He hasn't fought in over a year. But we'll see. Gidley says, yeah, Eric can fight in March after suspension. That's what I'm thinking too, man. I think Dana didn't want to drop all his hints there, and maybe that's what's going on here. But we'll see. Um, again, I don't want to get into too much news with Cole because uh, I'll save it for Thursday. But what else What else happened, Cole? I mean, Dana Wade talked a lot yesterday, obviously. Um, man, I, I did all the articles, and I, I kind of forgot. <laughs> I was up all night writing. What's some other talking points that Dana had? Um John, oh, I saw your thing about John Jones. Yeah, he wants to get that loss off his record, but I don't know if it's going to happen. He keeps saying he keeps criticizing the commission. If it hasn't happened by now, I can't see it happening. And he was talking about TJ too, maybe a title shot. He said he's basically like it's up to TJ. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Since when does TJ get to take his fight? You think he gets a title shot, Cole? I wouldn't be surprised. But like, he's gonna have to wait like, one another nine months to fight. Why? I think he's gonna fight Aldo. I think he'll take on Aldo. Or maybe I think TJ Dillashaw ends the year as the Bantamweight champion. You pick that? You, that was one of your picks? Yep. All right. What else did Dana say? Talking about Kamaev and Edwards. They're going to keep that fight together. That's another guy, Edwards, man. He's got a fight. Jang fighting Asia. That was the most interesting thing to me. Talking about Asia. Yeah. Battlefront. Yeah, I know. I wrote the article. And he was talking about uh, doing maybe Rose or Jang or Esparza. It doesn't really matter. I just think they want Jang fighting. Uh, against someone i'm just surprised when he said asia i'm surprised they, they mentioned another jurisdiction because they've only had fights in florida vegas and fight island since the pandemic um maybe they're going to open up a bubble in asia maybe i was talking to a friend of mine i don't know if this is accurate but he, he's uh he used to live in china his wife's chinese he was telling me that uh like it's locked down right now maybe it's just hard for to, to get out like it's it's difficult maybe they, they set up something like you know that area though would be easier for it to get to, but I, I I would assume there there is some visa issues involved here too. There has to be, right? Like because she hasn't fought almost a year now, Cole. She's ready to go. Listen, if they can't get the Rose fight done, just give her Carla. Like I just want to see her fight again. I really do. That fight, she's got to fight again. I'm guessing on the 260 card, Cole, probably underneath Stipe and Francis. If that happens, maybe that's the co event, Jang and Rose or or Esparza. All right, that's it for today's show, guys. Uh, really appreciate everyone who tuned in today. It was a lot of fun. We love uh, when we get comments, and we love when we get questions, and we love when you guys join us. Give your picks, too. Cole, glad to have you back, man. It's going to be a good year. Ready to uh, wipe the slate clean, as so to say, and get started on another big year here in 2021 on the MMA OB Daily Podcast. Cole, plug your stuff, man. At Twitter, at Cole 91 The show this week is Matt Brown. I just split up the – Wednesday card, so half of them are this week, half of them are next week. Is but it's Matt Brown, Tyson Am, Mike Villanueva, and then Brendan Fitzgerald, the UFC commentator, just talk what that year was like as a commentator perspective. And then I also talked to Disco Todorovic and Alessio Jacirico. The tier goes already up, Todorovic will be up today. Fighter picks is the main event, everything else always on my Twitter. Yeah, definitely check out Cole's, uh, Cole's podcast, guys. It's a great podcast. The DJ Pet Jet Scrap Radio Show, Cole's killing me, he gets great guests every week. He's getting better as a podcast host. He's a great guy too. So definitely check out his podcast and give him a follow on Twitter at Cole Shelton 91. You guys can follow me on Twitter at MM Adam Martin. It's going to be a good year for the podcast. I think guys, you know, but we want more listeners. We want more people in the chat. I want to answer every question I can. So 
Get more people in here. Tell your friends about it. Get us in here and uh, join us every. I'm going to do it again. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, 10 a.m. I'm here. Cole's here with me on Tuesday. Marcel's here with me on Thursday. It's going to be a great year, guys. I'm telling you, we got some great analysts, great, great content coming up for you. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Martin. I'm available at ejpen.com, mmaoddsbreaker.com, mmaoddsbreaker.com, oddscom Have a great day, guys. I'll be back on Thursday.